Hello Gateway, Happy Easter. My name is Falakami and I'll be reading Luke chapter 24 verses 1 to 12 for us today. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Christ the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. I love the way Pastor Leith Anderson introduced the story that Philokami just read for us. He described a scene he witnessed like this. He said, several friends were talking in a restaurant when the conversation came around to dying. They asked each other what they would like to have said about them at their funeral. And the first said, I'd like them to talk about my career successes and all the good I did for people during my lifetime of hard work. The second said, I'd like for someone to tell what a great husband and father I was and how much I loved my family and they loved me. The third said, I'd like someone to say his body just moved. If Luke's account from chapter 24 is real, then that's what happened to Jesus. His body just moved. You know, I have this phrase that I say regularly at Gateway. I've been using it for years. I started using it on a regular basis because one of the kids started giving me a hard time about it. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. And I usually use it to wake us up, but also to rivet our attention on the most important point. Easter is the don't miss this point about everything. If the resurrection of Jesus is real, then it changes everything. And I don't mean everything about our faith. I mean everything about everything. Everything about reality is changed if the story of the resurrection is real. So why do we believe this story? When I was young, I went through a period of time when I wondered if this story was real. It, it didn't seem reasonable to me. I mean, dead people don't come back to life, not in real life anyway. And there are plenty of voices, skeptical, even scholarly voices out there that will support this kind of questioning. Their thinking goes something like this usually. Look, the disciples experienced Jesus' teaching and his influence in a powerful, life-changing way. And then they experienced the drama of this horrible but admirable death. And after that, you know, they lived in the afterglow of knowing that they had known him and having experienced him and also remembering the difference that knowing him made in their lives. That afterglow eventually got translated into stories, like illustrations, symbolic myths that explained and enlivened and yes, amplified the reality. And then generous skeptical thinking will usually add something like this, and this is important. I mean, did these events really happen? I mean, actually happen? Well, isn't that just the wrong question? Of course a dead person didn't literally walk out of the grave, but isn't the right question, 
How can we all be more like the kind of person that he was? And that's just the sort of skeptical thinking that's readily available to you and me. But here's the thing that I could never get away from. When you read Luke 24, it doesn't read like a nice illustration. It doesn't read like symbolism. It reads like an actual account of actual events. So let me counter that skeptical thinking quickly by offering just four reasons that make this story believable. And by the way, there are many more. Reason number one, and this needs a little explanation, there were many eyewitnesses. So Luke, what Philokomy just read, along with Matthew, Mark, and John, all wrote eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that the resurrected Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Plus, the witnesses agree with one another on the main details. Now, it's true that they disagree with one another on some of the minor details, and skeptics like to point out some of the discrepancies in the accounts as evidence of the myth nature of the stories. But I have a friend, Rob Showers, who is an experienced trial lawyer, and he tells me that that's just the kind of testimony you get when people are telling the truth. You get testimony where people agree on the most obvious and the most important details, but there are some discrepancies in the minor aspects. When witnesses agree exactly on all points, the professionals actually begin to be convinced that their story is rehearsed and isn't based on eyewitness memories. Furthermore, the very first witnesses were women. Now, this is not a detail that a first century Jew would have made up if they were making up this account. Women's testimonies were not allowed in Jewish court. If you were making up this story, someone like Nicodemus would have been the one who discovered the body. The eyewitnesses are hard to dispute. Second reason to believe the story, there was no expectation of resurrection in the Jewish conception of the Messiah. This is not a story they would even thought to make up. They weren't expecting this to happen. Let me give you a third reason. Jesus predicted his death several times. Okay, this could be random. It could be fluky. Perhaps these predictions were added later, later additions to the accounts, but it does make you wonder. Fourth reason, the story holds throughout the lives and the deaths of those first witnesses. <laughs> At some point, surely the first witnesses would have recanted, hey, it didn't really happen like that. We kind of embellished it. How did they carry this story for the rest of their lives? Now, it could be argued that if they had recanted and renounced the story, we might not have that testimony today, of course. But we also wouldn't have the faith. It wouldn't have survived that. Now, of course, all these reasons don't guarantee the truth of the resurrection event. And, of course, there are counter-arguments to what I have just said. But the critical thing to note here is that there are legitimate, reasonable arguments for believing in the reality, the actuality of the story which Philokomy read for us from Luke 24. You need to recognize, those of you who, like me, are natural doubters, you need to recognize that there is reasonable evidence suggesting the truth, the actual truth of these events. And if they happened, actually happened, then that changes everything. The universe is not a closed system. Death is not the end. There's always hope. It changes everything. So, what does it change for us? Specifically, what does it mean for us if the story is true?
Now, I don't know that all that it might mean for you, but, but I can think of two very important things that it means for all of us. First of all, because of the significance of the event, because of the significance of the claims that Christians make, and frankly, that Jesus made about himself, we have to decide whether or not we believe it. We have to decide whether or not we believe it whether or not we trust this story. The nature of the claim forces this decision point. Let me explain. If someone tells me it's going to rain tomorrow, I don't have to research that claim and make a decision about it. It, it makes no claim on my life. I may want to investigate it if I'm going to take a long drive or if I'm training for a marathon and I'm going to be running miles every day. I, I may want to know if it's going to rain, but it doesn't affect me very much either way, right? I don't have to make a decision about that claim. But if someone tells me that they have a prescription that will prevent me from ever being sick again, and they amass an impressive amount of research and personal testimony to back up the claim, I'd be stupid not to investigate it. I have to make a decision about that, whether or not I'm gonna try that prescription. The nature of that claim makes a demand on my attention. That's like the kind of demand that the resurrection story places on all of us. C.S. Lewis is a famous Christian writer and he once said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. The nature of this event demands that we make a decision are you skeptical? If you are, you're probably watching this because someone drug you into it somehow. If so, sorry about that, but maybe they did you a favor because the nature of the claim demands our attention. If you're skeptical, I get it, but I believe you need to ask yourself if your skepticism holds up. What are the alternative explanations for this story? Uh, it's just made up out of thin air. That's very, very unlikely. Well, let's say it was a dramatic exaggeration based on people's strong religious beliefs, strong feelings about Jesus, and, and it was nurtured by their fear of death. Possible. But remember, most of the New Testament was written while the eyewitnesses were still alive. Would such religious sentimentality have survived? Or maybe, maybe Jesus didn't really die. He was just resuscitated after lying in the cool of the tomb. That's in fact what Muslims believe about this account. And this is possible, of course, but the Romans were experts in death. Experts. Would a very badly beaten, bleeding, and near-dead Jesus have inspired a revolution? Would followers have given their lives for that? How would you have explained then his eventual death? I think the skepticism has as hard a time holding up as the logistics of this story. Let me go old school evangelist here for a second. Listen, if your skepticism does not hold up like mine did not, then what will you do with that? I want to encourage you today to make the decision to trust Jesus Christ as your rescuer and savior. If you've never placed your full confidence in what God has done for you in Jesus and given the control of your life over to Jesus as the director of your life, then you can do that right now. In the stillness of your kitchen or your den, ask Him to save you and to take control of your life. You can do that by simply praying, Lord, I'm afraid I've blown it. 
I've completely ignored my deepest desire to connect with you. Please forgive me for trying to run my own life and for believing that I'm in control. I've sinned against you and sinned against others. Please save me and come into my life and take control of it and, and help me to grow in my understanding of what it means to be connected to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're ready to pray that kind of prayer, we want to respond to you. So simply chat that you want to talk to someone or, or throw a pair of praying hands into the chat and we'll get to you this week. So if this account is really true, I believe there's a second important implication for all of us. We have to live in light of whatever decision we've made about this story. Now, many of you who, like me, have made the decision in the past to trust Jesus Christ. So we believe this story and, and we've leaned into the claims of Jesus and of these first followers. We've given the reins of our lives over to God. But our decision point is not an end point. We have to make the same decision every day. If this story is true, then everything about everything has changed. Remember, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. I suspect we all need to spend time recalibrating our lives to make sure that we really are living in light of that decision, that we really are trusting each day to His care. Now, I know that, that some of you have the regular habit of that kind of recalibration, but for others of us, what a great day to re-up on our decision. This is an historic day. <laughs> the entire planet is on lockdown. What an opportunity for us to focus on our connection to God. What an opportunity to figure out how to live more completely in line with the implications of this story. Let's just remind ourselves today, if this story is true, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear from the coronavirus. We know based on the life and teaching of Jesus that God is in control of our lives and absolute worst case scenario. Uh, should we contract a very serious case of COVID-19, let's say, and eventually die from it, sorry, Death is not the end for us. If the story recorded in Luke 24 is true, death is not the end of our story. Now that's not hardened fatalism. That's not wishful thinking. That's not naive pie in the skyism. That's reality. We have nothing to fear, not from the coronavirus or anything else. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. The Easter story changes everything. All of reality is dramatically enlarged and brightened. Our lives are lived in a very different and much, much larger context. So we have to decide. And then we have to live each day in line with that decision. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for what you did through the life and death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for any of us today who have never made the decision to step into that, to trust that, to believe that, to lean on that. I pray that you would speak today in a way that we can hear and understand. And Father, I pray for those of us that need to recalibrate our lives so that we live in line with that decision. Help us, Lord. We give ourselves to you fresh and new today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. It was a blessing to have you.